Hi, my name's Alistair. Hi, my name's Kat. This is Ali Kat, and we're bringing you Bampot Productions, Productions podcast. podcast. Okay, so interestingly, another 10,000 ambulance workers are going to go on strike. Yes. It's not a definitive number, but the Times are saying about that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the winter of discontentment we have. Train strikes. Yes. We have bus strikes in certain parts of London. Yes. We have National Health Service strikes. Yes. There's going to be university strikes yes. of cleaners and admin staff um, and civil servants also is happening as well. Yes. Um, and the teachers are walking out on the 24th of November. Yes. No, sorry. Yeah, no, it's, uh, well, we're now in the month of December, so they're, they'll be walking out on the 24th. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, this definitely is the winter of discontentment, and I suspect that all the unions are liaising with one another, because if they all go on strike at the same time, it would just be horrendous, nothing would actually be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 10,000 am- ambulance workers is very concerning to me. How many ambulance drivers are there in well, the UK? In, in in the UK as a whole, I have no idea. Mm. Because didn't didn't you mention to me a few years ago that paramedics are also also need to know how to drive an ambulance? So the question is how many paramedics are they? Because I thought that you had mentioned that the paramedics have to know how to drive an ambulance. I don't recall that conversation. I I thought what we talked about was if I remember correctly, and I might be wrong here, I think that you had assumed that ambulance drivers were separate to the paramedics. And I was Maybe. saying that they're actually the same, like the people that drive mm-hmm. the ambulances also do the medical so, care. So the paramedics really in the UK need to know how to drive an ambulance? Yeah, yeah. So what's going to happen, do you think, especially for emergency care? There's definitely going to be more deaths because I thought that the nurses' strike was going to be mm-hmm. non-emergency staff, but if the ambulance law are now in and their emergency staff, I assume, yep. what do you think is going to be the outcome for this? More deaths Probably than not what good. there already seems to be. Yeah. Um. So I would say that as far as the winter of discontentment goes that's a phrase from the was it the 70s with the Taylor minor strike cities. um no it's from the book originally oh i didn't know that okay oh wow oh i didn't know that was in Taylor Taylor Taylor. i didn't cities. know that okay wow okay so i've heard people say that for the last sort of since 2008 actually i've heard that phrase being used to to describe the kind of situation with striking in particular um, that was predicted quite heavily last year was going to be the winter of discontentment. So it's been predicted consistently for some time. Um, but now that everyone has emerged it does feel from different. Lockdown, yeah, this time now everyone's I think, doing it at the same yeah, time. The so they have cord. Yeah. Um, I don't know where the results will be. I mean, the the health services are very good at um, triaging care and deciding who needs it best and, and getting getting the, the mm-hmm. help to them um i don't know if striking as an like obviously on the days of the strike you're going to find that the quality of care is lower mm-hmm. however the benefit 
theoretically at least, is that when staff have better working conditions, they're not being overworked and they have better pay, that the quality of care is altogether higher. So, yeah, of course, like outcomes for patients on days of strikes are going to be considerably worse. However, I think the idea is that if staff strike in the long run, the care is going to be higher overall over a longer period of time. So I guess that's the question. Is it going to be better in the long run or not? Um, probably yes, I'd, I'd say. Um, it's tricky, though, because like the NHS is certainly being stretched to its limit and is underfunded. Even, I think, I, I'm reading... And there's a lack of staff, particularly... Oh, I mean, I know this doesn't sound nice. There seems to me, at least for the National Health Service, and I think this is the case for a lot of jobs, that in the past couple of years, there's a lack of staff at the lower level. Yep, yeah, sure. I can um, see that. Partly because of Brexit, and I think also maybe mm-hmm. a lot of people just didn't go back to work after COVID. Yep. Yeah, actually, the... people that they were older, like... Like they maybe just retired the UK, prior to when they were supposed to. Like, I don't know. That's part of it. It definitely is part of it. Um, however, another big area of, of this is that there are a lot of people, the waiting list times for healthcare is higher in the UK relative to where it was pre-pandemic compared to other developed countries and European countries. So there are actually more people waiting for care in the UK and the number of workers who have gone back to work since coming out of the workforce during the pandemic is lower in the UK than it is in other. Most other countries are back to pre-pandemic levels now, whereas in the UK, that's not true. Why? So a number of those people are waiting for um, treatment on the NHS. Mm-hmm. Waiting list times is affecting that. Um, I suspect it's that working conditions are also quite poor in the UK compared to other other areas. Um so I think it's probably a combination of health and work is less attractive to, to a lot of people. Um, difficult to say overall. Um, to me, there's no definitive reason. I think it's I a think that's true. reasoning. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't think it's one thing. I mean, yeah, I, I don't really... Because how are other countries that have what you call socialised healthcare mm-hmm. managing much better compared to the UK? Like... This is what I mean, because a lot of countries in the EU yeah. don't have what you call the private healthcare system. And For sure. You don't hear about it, but I'm assuming it can't be that bad if it's not in the media. But then again, I don't know, perhaps it's not what the media in this country is choosing to focus on. So part of the issue... The National Health yeah. Service seems horrendously yeah. bad at this point, but to me it's been bad for a long time, but now it's really bad, right? Part of the issue is that people will complain no matter what. Um, so you do get this in... Norway's a really interesting one where they have you know a lot of wealth from the, the oil fund. And um, they don't have a lot of people. They don't have a lot of people. They've so got six million? It's, a, it's comparable to Scotland. Um, I think it's about s- somewhere between five and seven million. I'm not None sure exactly. countries have a lot of people. Right? Yes. So they're, anyway, their national wealth is very high um, with their, their oil fund. Um they have higher public spending, five and a half million. So Which is kind of like here. It's the same as Scotland. Um, they have higher public spending per person than um, I think any other European country. Maybe not, though. It's very high anyway. They have very high levels of health care. And 
at the same time, people complain a lot there about, you know, people still complain about the level of care and the level of public services, even though it's comparably higher than, than most other places in Europe. But is it not better compared to the UK health Yeah, but people still system? complain about it. So I think... But in reality, mm-hmm. is the Nordic system, bear in mind, it's a system which the government funds it, is it better in reality compared well, to the UK system? I th- like the UK yeah. National Health Service? I think overall it so is. So I know they complain, yeah. but is it better, I mean? I think it is, yeah. yeah. Waiting times are shorter. Yeah. Your GP appointment so times are easier to get. Yet they still complain vociferously about the low quality of care. People will complain no matter how good or bad the system is. And even if you make huge improvements in medical care, it will still people will still complain even at that. It's... Um, People like to complain, and I guess particularly the British. Yeah, I, I particularly the British. It's completely true. I would say that the NHS is struggling, and it is. There are challenges there. Um, however, it's still like the level of care you get in the NHS even today is still better than it was, you know, going back even just a few decades, kind of thing. Like, it's. Uh, Life expectancy is still near enough all time highs. Um, it's still which for the west of Scotland is f- for men fifty five, <laughs> and that's quite good for the west of Scotland. It is still low. Um, but once well, again, that's it's not for all men. Like I'm just saying, if they're not very healthy, it's higher than it than it was. Um, prior to there being a national health service. No, even during the national health service, like you know, I don't. No, I mean prior, if the life look, expectancy would have been lower. Far lower, but you know, if there's, you don't have any money, then you can get any care. Life is still generally better than it was, even going back not a long time. You know, I think. If you're going to complain now, you'll probably complain no matter what the the situation is with it. Um, that said, I don't know. It's tricky. I, I think there are genuinely things that need to improve, but my point has always been that people also need to learn just to be happy um, <laughs> with where they are. I think that's... Because uh, life is pretty good at the moment. We're living in sort of the greatest of all human ages. <laughs> There's more opportunity than ever before. There's more access to resources than ever before. Um, even the poorest people in Great Britain can... Uh, you know, have access to food that's many times better what kings and queens would have had in centuries past. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but to be honest, I don't really know what the problem is. Like, what do people want out of their NHS? Like, do you want waiting times under four hours, like at A&E? Because even when that was happening, people were complaining. Like, I remember... 10 years ago, the SNP in Scotland mm-hmm. had achieved um, really good ambulance wait times and oh. A&E wait times. They had invested in the NHS and they'd also engaged... Was it more staff or did the system improve? Partly more staff. More yeah, they put more efficiencies in and they also uh, had a number of public health campaigns that kind of helped um, a number of different situations, took a bit of... Prevention. More prevention, which yeah, took so the pressure off. Yeah, that bad. Yeah. yeah. But I remember the media just being, like, complaining non-stop about the quality of hospital care at that time and it was pretty good. Um... There were even kind of reports and studies done into kind of like how staff were finding the NHS and it was, you know, 
near enough record highs it dipped occasionally but people were quite satisfied with working in the nhs you know kind of 10 years ago so it's like and even when it was that that good i remember people just complaining left right and center about it and um i remember people saying oh the nhs is the worst like they try and kill you when you go in and i remember family members who are certainly more elderly saying like oh the nhs is always trying to kill off old people they don't want us that's why they don't give us appointments it's like actually i think the NHS is pretty good. No, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. And personally, I, 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 I've never had a trying to call the old people. Yeah. It's just that. Yeah. Sometimes people just don't get the care they need, but they yeah. also don't get the care they want. But there's a difference. They want exactly. Want. Yeah. And also, people are often unwilling have to an do. Expectation. They do, and people are often unwilling to do the things they need to to get the care that they want. Um. Often. When you talk to people, like when you dig a little bit under the surface, there's some glaring issue they haven't done or something they haven't followed up or, you know, they've been lazy about following the treatments they've been given or, or whatever. It's it's very rare that the NHS is like just completely negligent in how they treat people. Um, incredibly rare. Like Normally people have personal responsibility they haven't taken on issues. I mean... I think there's a thousand and one things that could be done to the National Health Service to improve it, but I'm just thinking about this winter. So um, I think people have to accept that it's going to be rough. Not, yeah. That's really important because yeah. that's very important, especially for emergency care. It is, yeah. Because if you have a heart attack, mm-hmm. if you've had a stroke, yeah. lying there for more than an hour, yeah. I mean, really, for heart attacks, like it's really like it needs to be urgent and immediate. Yeah. But that's not, they are saying they might draft in the army. Yeah. Which is what they did when the fire law went on strike a few years ago. Well, I'm yeah, they did. a few years actually was more than a few years. This was when I was in high school, so this is going back a significant amount of time. Yeah. They did draft in the army people. Um but I assume that the army law would they give like paramedic attention to the person on the scene or would they just drive? I think they do whatever they need it, but they would do normal. So it would be medic, so that's more specific and particular. I think you'd have I don't know what they You can just have a random guy from the army just turn up. There is a published plan for this, so I don't think it'll just be um, you know, soldiers coming but even Yeah, they would need to be trained their medics initially, right? All soldiers have some first aid training anyway and they do have medics within, you know, the army. So I'm guessing that they'll deploy people but once again you do whatever you need to. Like if someone's kinda, you know got their guts hanging out and they need to get to the hospital but you can't transport them without stabilizing them, you just do the best you can anyway. Like it's not it's going to be like less once again outcomes are going to be worse than if the strikes weren't going on but the question is does does giving the striking workers what they want improve the service in the long run and i think the answer is probably yes well see other people say they're holding us to ransom so there's another yeah. perspective for that and bear in mind that the public sector most of the yeah because trains well no actually the train lot may maybe are more private but a significant amount of public and private lot this winter are all coordinating together it is yeah so and the mail lot are also going to go on strike mm-hmm. for the royal mail so i just think it's going to be this is just working out to be the world's worst christmas and other people are saying they're holding us to ransom because i suppose you could say well they're claiming that they need an ink that that they need an increase in pay but so does the next person in the uk for sure um 
so that's one perspective, but another one is that, you know, it's a gun to our heads. The UK has a number of unique problems, though, that are very difficult to solve at the moment, um, unique compared to other developed countries as well, coming out of the pandemic. Brexit has seriously changed the kind of labour market in a way that's difficult to, to overcome. Um, as I say, the, the population slightly less healthy overall than other populations as well. That's having an impact on it. Um, and a number of people who, I say, have reported long-term effects of COVID in the UK, those numbers are still elevated, whereas they've returned to kind of normal in most uh, most developed countries. So it's hard to say exactly what's, what's to be done about it. Um, I don't see any real leadership from the politicians offering something here. <laughs> from yeah. Sunak, yeah. who's taken on China yeah. like a big yeah. man, but not dealing with these local issues. More austerity, which to me just seems like a death spiral. Like if you keep cutting government spending, um, yeah, if you keep cutting kind of government spending, there's less money being spent in the economy and that seems to, like, it's less efficient as an economy. Um, I think actually keeping spending high or even increasing it slightly in the interest of growth is probably what you want to do. Um, invest in infrastructure, things like that, um, and continue to grow the economy. Whereas we haven't done that in the UK, we've kind of gone for this very free market kind of like, oh, government should just... For 15 years, yeah. yeah. I, I, which Where is untrue government? of other countries that have, say, done higher levels of government spending. Um it's a political choice and an ideological choice, but I actually have a kind of positive here. I think the UK has been struggling, but I also think that there's probably a lot of pent-up growth ready to go in the UK. And I think that as soon as we get uh, a government in or leadership that's able to unlock that, maybe unify people a little bit in, in an ideal and actually... Um, yeah, probably start spending um, on things that create efficiencies within the economy. I think mm. there's a, probably a golden age in Britain ready to, ready to be unlocked here. Um, there's a lot of growth that's ready to go. It's been pent up for a long time. And uh, as soon as we get rid of the, the Tories and have a spendthrift Labour Party, we're probably going to be good for, um, for a bit of growth, reinvesting in the NHS, things like that. <laughs> well... Um, you're talking about getting rid of the Tories. Would that be the case if Scotland became an independent country? Then we could spend as much as we want. Can spend as much as we like with no and consequences. Just live like the Swiss, the world's best country, <laughs> with no consequences. Well, but once again, people still complain there as well. People complain everywhere. Yeah, although I don't have a lot of sympathy for Swiss complain because <laughs> I'm like, it is Switzerland. Yeah, it's but like. If someone complains and they're living in Luxembourg or these places, it's like, yeah, these are places... I mean, I've never lived there, but I'm just saying these are places that, at least objectively on the, on the stat table, you know, rank yeah. pretty highly for development. Mm. But that doesn't necessarily correlate with personal happiness. Like, no, it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, like, it doesn't. So, because there are a lot of people in, you know, countries that are doing far, far worse and... um. Yeah, they're maybe more content. I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of... That might be quite a good topic for the next few polls. Yes. Personal happiness. We all know that I'm lacking it because of a certain relationship issue. Oh, sorry. You tucking in your shirts is one of them. Okay. Could you sound like an insta? 
And incels always are men. No. It's not possible being incel if you're a woman. Because women don't have an issue getting incels. The first incel was a woman. Men don't have standards. <laughs> the first incel. She was just going through a dry spell. She's married with kids now. Probably. But... <laughs> Probably, yeah. She's married with kids now. So, But incels, if they're men, generally, once an incel, always an incel. Sure. Okay. Okay. So going back to the point is that winter of discontentment mm-hmm. hopefully is not too bad. And you have raised a lot of possible solutions, which are good. Okay, so ending on that note, bye from Kat. Uh, bye from Alistair. Bye from Bampot Pro- Productions Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, check us out on Twitter at Bampotpod. At Bampotpod. Yes. Bye. Bye.